Welcome to Stepping Into Health, Inspiring Conversations with Tamara Ortigal. Join me for engaging conversations with people who are shining their light in the world. You will hear us chat about business, relationships, spirituality, community, hobbies, and health, all the things that contribute to our vitality and wholeness. Although I love to talk about food as medicine, energy healing, and other holistic modalities, at the root of my health coaching practice are these questions. Why do you want to be healthy? And what steps are you willing to take to get there? Through my podcast, I hope to increase your awareness of what is possible and to inspire you to take action. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started today, I want to share some information about my favorite whole food supplement, Juice Plus. My family has been taking Juice Plus for 11 years and consider it insurance against the common cold, flu, and other seasonal viruses that go around. We have had fewer sick days in general, and even when we have caught something, our symptoms have been milder and shorter in duration. This is invaluable for our busy family of five. Juice Plus includes 30 different varieties of fruits, veggies, and berries put into a capsule or a gummy. It's the perfect addition to a healthy diet, but also mission critical for people who are unwilling or unable to eat 7 to 13 servings of these foods on a daily basis. It's great for kids who are picky eaters because it not only gives them nutrition today, but serves to expand their palate over time, improving the odds that as adults they will eat more fruits and veggies. It's also great for seniors who are no longer eating as much as they did when they were younger and more active. It bridges the gap between what we are eating and what our body needs to stay healthy longer. We also take Juice Plus plant-based omegas, which are great at fighting inflammation. I'm super excited to introduce my guest today. I met Sarah Weinberg several years ago at a yoga studio in the Chicago area. The class size was small and included several students who were recovering from injuries. Sarah thoughtfully guided each of us to practice within the limitations our bodies offered that particular day. If you practice any form of movement, you know how things change from one day to the next. I later attended her classes that combined spin and yoga. After a tough cycling class, Sarah knew the perfect ways to stretch our bodies and help us unwind from the intensity of spinning. Her approach was upbeat, inspirational, and always with a focus on safety. Sarah has studied yoga for many years and is a wealth of information. She moved away from the area, but we can still enjoy her classes through her online platform called Shiny Happy Yoga. I know you're going to enjoy our conversation. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Tamara. How are you? I am. I'm good. I'm really good. It's a, it's a little gloomy here in Chicago today, but um, I'll take it. Take the good with the bad, right? I know. I know. We've had beautiful days here in Wisconsin, and then today it rained, and I was like, wait, what? We still do that? <laughs> like, I got so used to the sunshine. It's so true. I know. Oh, my God. Happy May. I know. I know. Yeah. So um, to get started, I am so excited for everyone to get to know you and your business. And um, I just thought, you know, let's just get started with you telling us a little bit about yourself and why you love yoga so much. Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah, my name is Sarah Lyonberg and I am the owner and founder of an online yoga community called Shiny Happy Yoga. I'm also most importantly, the mom of three and a proud wife and friend and sister and all of the things um, that definitely I think enhances and um, makes my whole yoga practice be much more than just a yoga practice on a mat. Um, I discovered yoga, gosh, 
over 20 years ago, which is terrifying that I'm even old enough to be able to say that I've had <laughs> a relationship with yoga for that long. But I discovered yoga, quite frankly, really just for the physical aspects of it. I had been in a car accident and had kind of screwed up my back and the physical therapist didn't really know what to do with me at a certain point. And so he suggested yoga as just a way to sort of strengthen my my spine and my back. And I went and I hated it. I also def- I suffer from anxiety. And so I thought, well, you know, yoga is also mentioned for anxiety. So we'll just give this a whirl. And it was awful. I hated it physically. I hated it emotionally. I hated everything about yoga. <laughs> but... <laughs> But because I'm very type A, I wanted to like perfect yoga. (laughs) I think it was hard. And so I was going to tackle it and become good at yoga, which I now know 20 years later, you can't be good at yoga. You just do it and you are good already. But uh, so, yeah, I just started sort of practicing and hating every minute of it and fighting, (laughs) fighting my practice a lot. I fell into teaching yoga shortly thereafter, because I was already a fitness instructor. And the yoga instructor at the local YMCA was pregnant, and they needed someone to teach the class while she was on maternity leave. And so they just made me do it because they knew I had been taking it. So I got certified just through the Y and started teaching yoga and still didn't like it. (laughs) And fast forward, I ended up moving to LA, teaching at some studios there, getting some more training, more experience under my belt. And ended up slowly falling in love with yoga. I would say in the beginning, I I still just really fell in love with it for the physical aspect. I am a runner. And I think most of us know running isn't necessarily awesome for you. It's It's really hard on your body and hard on your joints. And so I thought, well, yoga is a great way to get a workout without being super hard on your joints. So I I definitely was my yoga practice back then was still very, very physical, very physically demanding. I wanted to get my heart rate up. I wanted to feel really like tough and strong and bad booty on my mat. And that's how I taught my classes. And that's what my students, you know, my students came for those type of practices as well. I will say now that I'm in my 40s, um, and have just really journeyed along with my yoga practice. My practice has very little to do with the physical poses that much anymore, and much more about coming home to my own heart and learning to find peace and strength and beauty and grace on my mat, learning to empower myself, watching students come to their mat and empower themselves all just through movement and connection and breath. So that's like a 55 minute answer to your question. No, but I think (laughs) I love it because I think that's the, the reality, right? Is that a lot of people come to yoga, um, maybe to offset the other physical things that they do, but they bring that desire for more power, Um, and so we have, you know, yoga sculpt and we have power yoga and we have those things available to them, um, and available to people who aren't, who don't already have something like that in their life. And there's a time and a place for that. And, um, yeah, um, but, um, you know, that type of yoga is not the only type of yoga and it's not right for everybody. And, 
um, especially marathon runners. I, I know so many people who do those right. kinds of physical activities and, um, and I'm always recommending yoga as a counterbalance for them just to say, right. you know, this will help you in the long run with, with running or cycling or swimming or whatever else you like to do. That's, you know, so, sort of jarring to your, not swimming so much, but jarring to your body. Um, and I think that people do evolve over time. I know when I started yoga 13 years ago, I did do, you know, regular flow yoga at a little studio. And then probably within a year, the owner also moved to LA and, um, and some other people took over that studio. And for some reason I ended up becoming introduced to Bikram. And so I did Bikram for like seven years and oh, wow, it's, yeah, it's funny because I really loved the sweating aspect. Yeah. I loved that. I didn't have to think at all that it was the same. I did love, yeah. I thrived on the fact that it was the same routine every time. Same sequence. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, and I wasn't a good sweater and I think that over time, as I became healthier, and my body began to sweat, it was so awesome to just be dripping on my mat. Um, And then I got to the point where I was like, um, I'm looking for something different now. And so then I, you know, moved over um, to other types of yoga, too, and um, have enjoyed yin yoga, and, um, you know, uh, restorative yoga and slower flow, um, more thoughtful styles, you know, that aren't so rigorous. And so it's, it's wonderful that people have all these different options. And, you know, what you need today may not be what you need tomorrow. And just honoring that you're always evolving and oh, uh, listening yeah. to that. Yeah, I, one of the coolest things about yoga is that there are so many different expressions of it. Right. And, and you don't have to, I've Bikram for seven years. Holy smokes, girl. That is impressive. (laughs) That is intense. Um, Yeah. Well, and I think, you know what, I I kind of always joke that it's the, the power yoga styles, which I still, I mean, depending on a day I'm having, it is a great release. It is cathartic. And as you're talking about, you know, especially with Bikram and the sweating, I mean, there is a catharsis in that there is a release, there is a letting go, there is a shedding emotionally, but also physically um, in those in those more vigorous styles of yoga. And there's definitely a time or place for them. I think a lot of people come to yoga and are drawn to the to the power styles, to the Ashtanga, to the Bikrams, you know, to those kind of styles at first. And I always joke that um, great, whatever brings you to yoga awesome. You'll start drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you come for the vigorous practice and like I always said, I wanted a yoga practice that kicked my butt um, until I realized that I was constantly kicking my own butt all the time in my workouts, off of my mat with job and family. And, you know, like I was just so hard on myself and demanding so much of my physical and emotional body that I began to be drawn to yoga practices that were more restorative, that that filled my cup instead of constantly sort of depleting or demanding more from myself. But that being said, right, whatever brings people to the mat, awesome. I celebrate that because there is, there's so much that we can learn and glean from our experiences on our yoga mat that I'm never one to judge what brings you there or, you know, like (laughs) whatever brings you to your mat. Awesome. Great. It's true. Yeah. And I did end up going through um, teacher training, a really intensive like summer program. 
And, um, and afterwards, even though it wasn't included in my program, I did my own self-study of yin. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, as somebody who's into health and wellness, I, I wanted to bring yin to the world in my little community. And so I taught for nine months, um, at the yoga cave and it was really wonderful because it was just such a quiet practice. I would have like instrumental music playing and, um, you know, we would just hold the poses a little bit longer. Um, and you know, it was just, I felt like people appreciated that, you know, this other practice that was peaceful and still demanding on your body because it is hard to hold the poses at first until you just allow it to happen. Um, and, and until you realize that, you know, if I can hold it for three minutes and you can hold it for one minute, it's no big deal, right? Whatever you're doing is what you're doing. Um, but funny that I would, you know, go through this teacher training and then not even want to teach what I learned. I wanted there was something else. That's so common though. Well, that I think speaks to, again, the beauty of yoga is you can always be a student. You can always be a student. There's always something else to learn or a different way that you can, you know, explore your yoga practice or, or change even, even within yin itself. There's so many different expressions of yin and restorative yoga and more physically demanding and, or, you know, all the way to yoga nidra and guided meditations. And I, the first time I tried yin, I was it was my first quote unquote workout after having my third baby. And I went to yin and I, again, I hated it. I'd already been teaching yoga for like 10 years at that point. I went to yin and I was crawling out of my skin. Like I could not be still. My mind couldn't be still. My physical body could not be still. I hated it. Uh, yeah, cut to a couple of years from now, from then, I love teaching yin. <laughs> I love practicing yin. I love teaching it. There's such a beauty. I mean, I, I tell my students, my yin and meditation students that, you know, <laughs> the things like the handstands and the, and the physically demanding physical poses are nothing compared to, quite frankly, the discipline and awareness that it takes to be able to just be still, to be still in your physical body, to be still in your own mind, to be still and peaceful in your own heart. That is the most advanced yoga we can possibly do. And it takes practice, just as much practice as it takes to build those strong, you know, those, I mean, I hate to use handstands and other gymnastic poses because I could go on and on about how I how I feel about those and, and you know, the definition of yoga. But we spend a lot of time focusing on the physical poses and building them and developing the proper strength and stamina for it. And gosh, it's, it's being able to sit in stillness. That's how yoga became about, you know, yoga started because the Buddhist monks were trying to sit in meditation and were uncomfortable. They couldn't physically sit. And so they developed these calisthenics, these yoga practices to work on strengthening and lengthening the spine, opening up the hips and relaxing and releasing the connective tissues of their body in order for them to be able to sit comfortably and do the real work of meditative yoga, you know? So ultimately, I think it's important to kind of remind ourselves of that. Some of the things that we see out in the world now, especially on social media, as definitions of yoga aren't really yoga. They sell, those images sell, and they bring people into studios. But again, to me, and that's great, you know, again, get them, get people drinking the Kool-Aid, but ultimately, 
you know, I, I wish, and I really hope, and I love that, it, you know, you're communicating this too, that yoga is so much more than that. And there's so much healing and transforming things that can happen for you on your yoga mat that have nothing to do with nailing poses that are Instagram worthy. Yeah. Well, and I think that you and I, um, agree on that. Like I am not a fan of, um, crow or handstands or headstands. Um, I know if you have really good form and you have the right strength, you can do it safely, but, um, but I don't know. I, I never, ever do anything like that because I don't want to get hurt. Um, right. and that's not why I'm there. I'm not there right. to challenge myself to do something like that. I'm there, um, to be at peace and to drop into my body and, um, feel what I'm feeling and be part of a community and so many other yeah. things. And, um, but for those people, I guess, you know, it is offered and people can take advantage of that. If that's something that they value and, you know, can bring them back to their mat. Right. Yeah. I think it's part of the process. I mean, like I said, I've been teaching for 20 years now and I have definitely put stuff in like that in my classes in the beginning, because again, I, to me at the time, yoga was, was about this physical challenge of it. It was about, you know, having this goal and then working to nail that goal. And it was very much, you know, ego driven. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. You know, it's just part of the process. And if it keeps you coming back to your mat, you know, like if you, oh gosh, I can't tell you how many students I've had that want to work on Crow. And so, you know, and, and one-on-one, -on -one, I, I think that's great. Group classes where things are just, and float into Crow and then jump back and da, da, da. I mean, that literally gives me the nervous sweats because there's so many things that can go wrong and it, yoga can be dangerous and without an instructor that knows what they're doing, um, injuries, you know, Hot yoga is, and this is, this statistic is a couple years old, but hot yoga has the highest injury rate for adult females in this country. Mm, wow. That's insane. Right. And well, it's because of, you know, well, first of all, and again, I love yoga. So please don't think I'm talking super negatively about it, but the industry has definitely changed. Um, so one of the reasons that the injury rate in yoga is so, so high is because there are so many yoga instructors out there right now that are just not properly trained and educated there you know you can go to I, I always joke there's yoga studios are like starbucks now there's one on every corner and so many of them are offering teacher training programs because quite frankly it is a way to make money most yoga studios don't make a ton of money on classes especially now with the pandemic um, you know, studio drop-in classes are not the way that studios make money. They make money off of teacher trainings. And so, so many studios have started offering teacher trainings. There is very, very little oversight on that in the yoga community. There's really not much at all. So there's tons of inexperienced um, yoga teachers out there. And then you add in just you know, our culture in the West of go hard or go home, no pain, no gain, <laughs> you know? And so you add all of this together and it just becomes this. And you add in the fact that most people doing yoga for the most part, were physically active at some point in their life and still expect to have their high school or college bodies <laughs> to be able to <laughs> do the things they did in high school and college. And so it just becomes this recipe of disaster when ultimately most people come to yoga for healing. 
right? Yeah. They come for a more gentle approach, a more loving approach. They come to feel good. And it is the job of a responsible, educated yoga instructor to help respectfully guide people there. Now, again, does that, that might mean, hey guys, this is how we can do crow safely and effectively and workshopping it for 20 minutes in a group class to make sure that it is being done safely and that people are completely aware of what is going on in their body and not just trying to kick or fling or use momentum to get their bodies into poses that their bodies aren't ready for. And that all, again, just comes back to education and awareness and quite frankly, realizing that there are no quick fixes, even on your yoga mat, <laughs> you know, like things take time. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, and I know that um, before you moved to Wisconsin, I attended, you know, a lot of your in-person classes and I really yeah. appreciated the, um, your ability to take even downward facing dog and acknowledge the ways that that can be unsafe for people who don't mm -hmm. have good form and giving people the option to transition into tabletop yeah, as they're moving through. Um, so do you want to talk about that a little bit and kind of what you, what, what made you make those um, accommodations? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the biggest things I hear, so I tell everyone that I ever meet that they should do yoga every single, like <laughs> any ailment that any person ever has, like, oh, I have this rush on my arm. Oh my God, you should do yoga. <laughs> like no matter what a person's ailment, I think, I think yoga, I think yoga can help. And the biggest reason, so, you know, anytime I meet people, I say you should do yoga. And the biggest thing people say is, oh, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga, or I can't, you know, I can't physically do yoga. Now, there's other excuses, too, that people throw out. But the, the biggest one is my body can't physically do it. I've seen, you know what I mean? Like, I've seen on Instagram what yoga is, my body can't do that. Okay, great. Most bodies can't. So I firmly believe that every body can do yoga. We just have to make it accessible to every body. And our yoga mats in particular should never ever be a place where we feel less than. We should feel completely capable and strong and empowered and inspired by ourselves on our yoga mat. So if you go to a traditional yoga class, I, you know, before the pandemic, I had gone to a studio class and it was a newer instructor. I didn't know that at the time, but I went to the class and I swear, Tamara, we did, we did every single yoga pose that's been invented in that 60 minute class. Mm. I mean, like we did every pose and it was, you know, down dog, up dog, chaturanga, bird of paradise, back to down dog. Like I it was insane. And I left the class going, oh my gosh, there was, but I understand this fervent need that instructors feel to wow people, you know, like it's the bright, shiny object that brings people in, or they want to feel like they really crushed it on their yoga, you know, on their yoga mat today. And so you just throw all the hard stuff, all of the things, but don't ever take the time to explain it or to invite people to feel how it feels to be in their body in a particular pose. So I started to just notice for myself that I hated chaturanga. Chaturanga hurt when I did it. I started to realize after 10 years of no one actually even, and I'd have, I have multiple teacher trainings. No one actually taught me how to do chaturanga correctly or took the time to workshop that pose. And that is a pose 
especially if you're talking power yoga or the more vigorous styles of yoga, that gets thrown in constantly as like an afterthought, right? It's up dog, down dog, chaturanga, boom, 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 boom. Like you just, you just do it and you don't think about it. I ended up in physical therapy with a bunch of shoulder issues and it was because I have been doing chaturanga incorrectly. So I started to think, okay, well, if it's happening to me and I'm supposed to know what I'm talking about, clearly it's happening to my students. I started really watching, really watching my students and realizing none of them were doing chaturanga correctly. I was so busy trying to get to the next pose or trying to make sure that, you know, I had gotten to that pinnacle thing or that everyone felt really strong or they'd gotten their money's worth or their workout in that I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention the way I should have been. I wasn't honoring their bodies um, with knowledge that I should have. So I took Chaturanga out and then I started looking at down dog. Down dog's another one that we just don't even, it doesn't get cued. We don't even think it's just down dog. You're supposed to know how to do it, right? And it's just supposed to feel good. It's a resting pose, right? Half the people weren't doing down dog correctly. (laughs) And so, and that's okay because I had not given them the knowledge yet. And you don't know what you don't know. And I, you begin to read, you know, then you talk to people. It's like, they hate Chaturanga too, or yeah, down dog doesn't feel good. Well, hey, if you come to your mat to feel good, let's figure out a way for you to feel good. Let's figure out what's going on with this pose. It's not your body's fault. It's, we haven't taught you how to feel good in that pose. So yeah, I started to just scale things way back in my personal practice and in my teaching and, and what you notice, and Tamara, you've done enough yoga to realize this probably is when you scale something way back and you do a proper, so now the way I teach Chaturanga is we're on our knees and you just bend your elbows enough that you feel your elbows touch your lower ribs and then you straighten your arms back out. It is a very tiny movement. We're not shrugging the shoulders. There's nothing happening in the upper back. It's just this tiny elbow bend and then to straighten the elbows. You get so much more out of those tiny mindful movements than you ever do flinging your body from pose to pose to pose to pose. And so you begin to build functional strength by being mindful and taking those small baby steps. Yeah. And and you feel better, right? It feels, you feel better and then you do feel more successful. Yeah. Well, that's why I loved going to your class because I just felt like, um, it was very purposeful each movement Mm -hmm. and the pace was really nice. And for me, like from the beginning, I, you know, I want to be able to do yoga for all the days of my life. Um, and yeah, there's going to be times maybe when, you know, I have a little injury here or there from something else and maybe I can't do everything, but, um, I just think, uh, it should, you know, I agree. It shouldn't be this big challenge, you know, um, it's not, it's not at least what I want out of yoga anymore. Um, right. And so, um, yeah, I love those modifications and I think that they are going to keep people safe, um, and fit longer. Right. Right. I mean, that's, like I said, I think most people come to yoga because they are looking for something more lasting, a life, a lifelong thing that they can do to help their body feel good and have joint mobility. I always, I always say that one of my, one of the reasons I I practice yoga is I want to be able to play on the floor with my grandchildren and be able to get back up and chase them around. And now I have, (laughs) I have a 10 year old, like hopefully I'm a very far ways away from that. But I, you know, especially with teaching, as long as I have, I've seen people in their sixties and seventies that, you know, did the no pain, no gain thing for a while. And 
their bodies are not doing well. They're not functioning well for them anymore. And ultimately at the end of the day, this body is a machine, right? Like there, there are ways that we need that we need to take care of it properly. It's not going to function at 100% capacity 100% of the time. We need to be gentle with it. We need to show these bodies loving kindness. We need to show these bodies care and compassion. And all of that can happen on your yoga mat. It can still happen in the more challenging poses. It's just about being mindful and educated and knowing what you're doing, knowing what parts of your body to activate, knowing what parts of your body to relax, knowing that if you go, try to go into a deep pose and you feel a little twinge, even though you did that pose yesterday and it felt fantastic, if you try it today and it's not feeling awesome, back off. Our bodies are constantly talking to us. All day long, our bodies are giving us messages. The problem is we allow our minds to be so busy and we allow life to be so loud, we don't listen to our bodies. Ultimately, our yoga practice is just about that. It's learning how to listen. It's learning how to get quiet in our minds and in our, in our hearts so that we can listen to what our bodies are telling us and then adjust accordingly. It's a beautiful relationship that we can develop with our bodies and with our minds. We just, you just have to get to that right space, right? And whatever brings you there, like I said, <laughs> awesome. That's great. And just, it's, you know, sticking with it and learning the softer side of yoga, the side that I think doesn't get enough credit. I think, I think we're shown images of, of, you know, Cirque du Soleil moves and we think that's yoga. And then we're shown images of like Buddha on the mountaintop and we think that's yoga. And both, well, both those things can be yoga, but honestly, it's, there's so many shades of gray. There's so many beautiful expressions of yoga that it doesn't have to be those, those two extreme things. And I feel like that's not communicated enough in, in our world is that yoga can, it can be physically demanding. It can be emotionally and spiritually demanding, and it can be emotionally and spiritually peaceful and freeing and physically liberating. It can be all of those things. Yeah. Well, and circling back to your goal of being able to play on the ground with your kids. Yeah. Um, I, I think <laughs> my grandkids, that, your grandkids. Yeah, your, yeah, exactly. Um, I did this workshop. It was like a six week workshop with a functional medicine doctor and a fitness coach and me. And mm. we were working with these women who were in their sixties and wanting to lose weight and there was one woman in particular who, um, you know, I invited everybody to sit on the ground because we were also exposing them to some yoga moves. And she was like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. And I was like, right. oh, my gosh, I'm like, sure you can. And she's like, no, I'm afraid I won't be able to get up. And so I said, well, do you trust me after knowing me these few weeks? And she said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, let's slide off the chair onto the ground and I will teach you how to get up again. Right. And um, it was really amazing to see her, you know, very gingerly get down onto the ground. And I just literally taught her how to turn on her knees and to use the chair to get back up. But I thought, what if she were to be somewhere and fall and not right. have faith, faith in herself? Like part of yoga and even Pilates and things like this can be about what are the functional skills that you have for your everyday life 
um, yeah. you know, and how do they apply? Um, you take them from the mat into your real life so that you can function in a way that makes you feel safe when you're alone, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. I, I say that in my classes all the time. And again, partly, partly just cause I'm a weirdo, but I talk about like, Hey guys, this pose is going to help us be able to get in and out of a car safely and effectively this, you know, and I, like, I always joke because again, I just am inappropriate and I like to make people giggle because yoga classes can be serious, but we'll do poses. And I'll be like, Hey guys, this pose literally will help you get on and off the toilet at some point, you know, like th this pose, you know, th doing this series of movements is going to help you be able to wash your hair, you know, reach your arms above your head and then reach back to wash your own hair or to, you know, try to finagle your way into a sweater when it's all knotted up and, I mean, there is the, the functional benefits of yoga just in the pure joint stability and joint mobility are phenomenal. And that is something that, again, I also think does not get enough, enough credit, enough street cred, if you will, is the functional, like what we're doing here on our yoga mats, the physical work that we're doing with joint stability and joint mobility when yoga is done correctly and safely and with an educated instructor and educated um, student, these are long lasting things that will take you into what, you know, as many years as possible, being able to trust your body to care for you. And that's huge. And I think as we get older, you know, I, I just turned 42 and gosh, already I'm like, dang body, really? <laughs> are we really, really going to feel these aches and pains already? And I mean, it is what it is, but learning how to adjust and figure out, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm changing my workouts into more strength training because that's what my body physically needs now is, is finding more stability and mobility within my joint and joint systems to carry my body through the next, hopefully 40, 50 years of my life, you know? Well, it's so true. You don't know what you're going to be like until you get there and, um, right. <laughs> you know, and it's, I do think that the older we get, the more that we are um, re-attracted to the simple things, right. you know, I just turned 55 and I'm like, you know, to me, I, I walk, I hike, I love to ride my bike. I love to swim. Um, you know, my whole shoulder injury was from wakeboarding right. and I'm thinking, well, maybe I don't need to wakeboard anymore. I don't know, at least not this right. summer. Um, right. But you know, like there are phases in your life where, you know, you need different things or you want different things. And so um, I think, you know, being aware of that, like that's part yeah. of it is just becoming aware of who are you um, in this moment and what do you need? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so all, these, so this whole yeah. idea of yoga is not, it's not something that we really do. And we're just in the class on the mat. It's kind of a philosophy of life that we take with us wherever we go. And um, if that means, you know, giving ourselves and others more grace, um, mm -hmm. more awareness, um, hope, you know, all these things, yeah. you know, like, it's just, it's really neat to be able to, to see that connection between what, you know, how we learn to behave. Um, I always say that, you know, how you behave on the mat is kind of indicative of how you behave in life you know if you are learning something new and it's hard for you but you stick with it um, that might be part of your character um, mm -hmm. and if it's not if you are the one who says oh I just can't do it forget it I'll just wait until you tell me the next thing to do 
maybe this is a place where you can say, nope, I'm not going to let myself off the hook here. I'm going to stick with it until I feel comfortable that I mastered that, you know, small situation. And then gosh, you see how that plays out in your life that all of a sudden, you're maybe willing to try a new food, or venture on a new trip or drive somewhere alone, or, you know, make a phone call to an acquaintance to invite them to lunch, or, I mean, it just has so many far reaching um, aspects to it. And I think it's really cool to see those connections between you know, this discipline of um, becoming aware of yourself and how you are and how you want to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I say all the time, yoga, your yoga mat is a super safe place to be curious and explore and try, try something new. Now, yes, does that oftentimes mean a physical pose? Sure. But one thing I say in my classes, every single time is that what we're doing here is not just about the pose. This is not about the pose. This is about how we choose to show up for ourselves. This is about how we choose to grow and be curious and, and feel and how we choose to inhabit our body and inhabit our bodies and inhabit our hearts. And so, yeah, if there's, if it becomes, if right now it's just learn, learning a pose and noticing what happens. So usually, you know, <laughs> there's poses that no one likes. No one likes chair pose. I personally love chair pose, but like everyone hates chair pose. And so the first time that I cue people into chair, usually I say, whatever, you know, and then we're coming into chair, Ukatasana. And then I say, notice what happened in your mind the moment you were told to take this pose, right? The moment there's this pose that you're like, oh my gosh. Or, you know, it used to be Chaturanga where it's just like, oh, like, you immediately, your body has a response and just notice that response. Notice your response. Notice where your mind immediately goes. Notice that internal dialogue that immediately happens and then begin to realize, and this is something I learned on my yoga mat that has been invaluable off of my yoga mat is that, so a situation happens, your mind has thoughts, right? You have an emotional response to something notice what that response is, notice that dialogue, and then realize that it is not a one-way conversation. It can be a two-way conversation. So you come into chair pose, you told your, you know, the teacher says, and we're going to hold a chair for 12 breaths. You have an emotional response. Now you can let that initial emotional response ruin the next 12 breaths of chair pose. You can sit in chair pose and think this sucks. I hate this. When is this over? I can't believe, you know, I mean, you can let your mind go there or you can notice your body's response, Ugh, chair pose, I hate chair pose. And then you can be an active participant in that conversation and think to yourself, why do I hate this pose? Or you can think, you know what? I can do anything for 12 breaths. Or, you know, I had a baby, uh, I've had three babies without drugs. I can handle 12 breaths in a chair pose. Or, you know, whatever, I mean, whatever it is, but learning to notice your body's initial response to something and then also being aware that, that you don't have to stay in that mindset. You don't have to stay in the suck. You can choose to redirect that thought pattern. Again, it doesn't have to be a one-way conversation. You can choose to have a two-way conversation. I know it's with yourself and that sounds weird, <laughs> but, but that's the reality of it. And so, right, for today, that might, be, that might be a lesson you learned about chair pose is being told you're in chair pose and you hating it and you can decide to hate it and you can decide to stew in that hate 
or you can decide to find a way that you can grow from this experience, something you can celebrate, something maybe if, right, like your example of you never challenge yourself, maybe you can say, you know what? I never challenge myself. What if I went up on my tippy toes today and just saw what happened, explored what happens if I challenge myself today? It's all of these little tiny things on our yoga mats that have far reaching effects off of our yoga mats. And it's a pretty safe place to explore different thoughts or thought patterns. It's a lot scarier when you're, you know, at work and your boss asks you to do something and you have to do it and you, you know, you start spinning and it becomes a whole thing. And there might be more serious <laughs> ramifications, you know, if you're trying to change a thought pattern or something in that situation. But our yoga mat is a pretty safe and dare I say, super fun place to to play around and to redirect, to to change the way you think about something, someone, or yourself. Yep. This is what I love about yoga. I just, it's that it's so much. And, um, and I love that it's the, it's moving energy, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. um, being aware of the way that your energy moves. And, um, oh my gosh, I love the examples that you gave. Cause yeah, that's what I think. I think yoga is not about attending a class and a workout. It's about yeah. a philosophy and, and what you bring into that and what you take away from that. And just, that whole experience and being alone in it or being together, sharing the experience with others. It's just, I love, love, love this. Um, So let's talk about your um, online platform. Yes. So I started shiny happy yoga about three years ago and oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been three years. And um, the biggest reason honestly that I started shiny happy yoga was that kind of what we were talking about earlier is I just wanted to make yoga as accessible as possible. So I mentioned, you know what, I tell everyone they need to do yoga and most people say they can't do it because they're not flexible enough. Okay. Well, we've already talked about how I make a concerted effort to make my classes physically accessible to as many people as possible. So that right there, that one's taken care of. Another thing that people often say is, I don't have the time or, you know, with my work schedule and the kids studios aren't open when I can do yoga. Okay, great. So I have an online yoga studio that is accessible to you 24 seven. And there are practices that are 10 minutes long. There are practices that are 70 minutes long. I get it. I don't, most days I don't have 70 minutes to practice. I mean, that sounds lovely, but that is a luxury for a lot of people. So 10 minutes, something is better than nothing. So there you go. There's no excuse there. You have 24 seven access and everybody has 10 minutes. Um, the other, you know, roadblock for people with yoga is cost. Yoga is extremely cost prohibitive. It really is. If we're super honest about it, most drop-in classes are around $20. Most studio memberships are anywhere between 120 and $180 a month. That's a lot of money for a lot of people. And so I, you know, I started Shiny Happy Yoga. The membership is $9.99 a month. It's under $10 a month and you have access. Now there's nearly a hundred studios or a hundred practices in the studio. More get added every single month. So for less than $10 a month, which I'm pretty sure is currently the average cost of a drink at Starbucks right now, um, you have access to any sort of yoga that you want. 
Um, the other excuse people say is that they are uncomfortable going to a yoga studio, that they think everyone in there are skinny, bendy white women, and they don't think they have young, skinny, bendy white women, and they don't have a space or that's, that's not them. You can do shiny, happy yoga wherever you are. You can do it in your home. You can do it on vacation. You can do it outside. I mean, you know, no one, no one is there to, you know, if you feel like you're going to be judged in a yoga studio, this is shiny, happy yoga is a hundred percent a judgment free zone. The other thing that's really cool. And I'm really proud about with my studio is I have amazing relationships with, with my members. You reach out to me and ask me a question. I will answer it. Even if you're not a paying member, if you reach out to me, someone reached out to me the other day that her daughter's actually a member and, um, and she was having just anxiety issues and, and could I give her some guidance and just some help and she, you know, doesn't do yoga and just isn't there yet, but what are some other things she can do? And um, I'm, I am so immensely proud of the relationship I have with my students. It is probably what brings me back to my mat, quite frankly, is so that I can learn to be a better student, so that I can learn to be a better teacher. I love my job. I love watching people virtually or in person come to their yoga mats and discover or uncover some completely beautiful magic that they had inside of themselves that they either forgot about or didn't even know was there. I love watching people learn more about their physical bodies and how to feel good in them. I think we are, I think we're taught as a society that our bodies are our enemies and that there are things that we should hate about our physical bodies or not like, or wish to be different, you know? And I think there is nothing more beautiful than watching a person just feel amazing in their own skin. And that is something that, again, you can absolutely experience for yourself through the virtual studio or, you know, I also do live Zoom classes. I do privates or small groups with people via Zoom or in person um, to create that community. You brought up community. And I think what's really neat is one thing I've learned throughout the pandemic is that there, it, there is a way to have a virtual community. I don't think I realized, even, even though I had Shiny Happy Yoga had been open for two years prior to the start of COVID, I wasn't. I didn't appreciate the value of that online community the way that I, the way that I do now that we've kind of been forced into it <laughs> a little bit. It's beautiful. And there's absolutely connection there um, that doesn't have to be face-to-face. -face. Don't get me wrong. I'm obsessed with face-to-face -face yoga. <laughs> I love in-studio classes, but man, the online stuff is pretty phenomenal. And I don't know. It's, 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 it makes yoga much more accessible and much more freeing um, than, than just having this one size fits all. You have to come to a studio between the hours of nine and 10 with your yoga mat in proper yoga clothes. Oh yeah, the other real advantage of shiny happy yoga is you can do yoga in your pajamas, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like, oh man, I can just show up. I can look like a hot mess and no one cares. It's the best. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, like I said, a little bit about shiny happy yoga. There's, I do also have, and there's going to be more rolling out in the next mm, two months where, you know, I've had people reach out and they're like, I just, I don't, I don't do memberships. The membership thing freaks me out. 
Okay, great. You can also purchase packs of classes. So in the studio right now, I have a beginner's series where I go, I literally go through tutorials on how to do most of the most accessible poses. And it is not me doing the beginner poses. I grabbed a friend who is a beginner at yoga and I have her doing the poses so that students can see what a beginner's body looks like. My body at this point is not a beginner yoga body. My body automatically corrects <laughs> because it, because it knows. And so I, I use someone that doesn't already have those checks and balances set in so that you don't have to feel, you know, broken or unable to do it in some way. If your body doesn't look like a person who's been practicing yoga for 20 years. So the beginner series is a bunch of tutorials and then one begin one, one hour beginners class. I also have a series in there called the 10s, which is 10, 10 minute mini practices, ranging everything from a good morning, um, a meditation, uh, you know, yoga practice for focusing on upper body, lower body, butt, um, core, you know, so very specific 10 minute practices. There's also going to be a vinyasa pack in there, which is a pack of vinyasa classes, a pack of yin classes, a pack of meditations. So again, if the if the member monthly membership is not your jam, you can just purchase those separate series, and that's something that you own indefinitely. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I want to go back to the beginning beginners classes. I think that's one of the things that's so important is that um, you know everybody comes to this with their own set of um, limitations. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, the biggest example I had of that is I had a private yoga student who had had bladder cancer. And so she mm -hmm. had, she no longer had a bladder and she really wanted to do yoga, but she was afraid to go into a class where she'd be surrounded by other people and not know for herself how to modify the pose to make yeah. it work for her. And so we met privately for several times and just went through the basics and how she could modify. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's so important is that every one of us, no matter what, you know, whether we have, you know, still have all of our body parts or not, like we mm -hmm. all have limitations and being yeah. able to just focus on ourselves and what we're capable of doing and then try, you know, if we really do have a limitation, learning from someone, what are some good modifications that are safe? So we can keep coming back to it is really, really important. So I love that you, you know, have the beginner workshops, but also, um, you know, can work with people one-on-one -on -one if they want you to look at them, yeah. you know, back in the days when the instructor would go around and actually physically move you um, right. into the correct position was so powerful because you don't realize sometimes when you're not doing it right. And then someone comes over and just moves you ever so slightly um, and then you go, this is what it's supposed to feel like. So right. even though you're working in a virtual environment, you can, you can still do that kind of thing with people and, um, help right. them get, get into it correctly and uh, safely. Right. Well, and I think, you know, I, um, yes, I definitely have done physical adjustments. I actually, in the past couple of years have started, well, independent of COVID, but I had started moving away from that because what I started to realize is just because something maybe looked safer on the outside didn't necessarily always mean that it felt stable for the person on the inside. And so I've, especially working with private, um, and I think especially in my community classes and especially online, 
I've developed enough of a relationship with all of my students that they know they can ask questions and they should ask questions that they should say, Hey, so when I did that, you know, when I, whatever, when I, when I moved my knee outside in warrior one, like, like you said to do, or when you, you know, or when I would physically adjust people, when you did that, I felt this here, is that okay? And I would be like, Oh God, no, actually that's not okay. So while it looked right, you know, when it looked like it was supposed to look, if it doesn't feel safe and stable for your body, then we need to back off and figure out exactly what's going on. And so again, like cueing becomes so extremely important and not just physical cueing, not just this goes here and da, 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 you know, that sort of a thing, but this is where you should feel sensation in this pose. Um, again, I, one of the magical things about yoga to me is, is knowing how to feel how it feels to inhabit your body in a specific way or noticing how it, how your body feels feels in a particular pose. And again, just to get through daily life, I think we're, we often kind of turn a blind eye to sensation in general, right? Like we all wake up every day, we have our to-do list and we try to get our to-do list done. And so, so often we don't have time for that little twinge in our knee, or we don't have time for, you know, we woke up, realized we were clenching our jaw or that we're breathing super shallow all day long, chest breathing, and don't know why we're feeling anxious. Our yoga practice is an amazing opportunity to invite ourselves just to listen and really feel how something feels. And if it doesn't feel right, we don't have to accept that. If something doesn't feel good or right or makes us feel unsafe or unstable in some way, to speak up, to say something and to try to to try to fix it, to try to find stability within our physical bodies, to try to find what helps us feel good in our bodies and of course in our in our minds and in our hearts as well but it's it's an important thing that we aren't encouraged to do off of our yoga mats you know I mean we're just sort of taught to grin and bear life (laughs) in general and our yoga practice is such a great for me at least it was just this it's been so eye-opening my yoga practice of just kind of being like huh you know what, that doesn't feel right. Why am I forcing this? And again, those, those concepts, that two-way conversation that I mentioned earlier, instead of just being like, that doesn't feel good. Oh, well, I guess it's supposed to not feel good. You know, of having that, that, that secondary conversation of why doesn't this feel right? If I do this, does it feel better? Being an active participant in our own lives and in our own bodies is so so important and honestly just leads to us living a happier and healthier life on and off of our yoga mats. Mm -hmm. Well, we're having those conversations with ourselves regardless. So yeah, being, giving yourself permission to change the dialogue and to be on your own side is really, really nice. Right. 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 But like how weird I, I'll never forget. I had a student once who, um, who would come to a class, and I say this in a lot of my classes, but I, but I had said something about, you know, give yourself permission to not have to be 100% today. Give yourself permission to just relax. Give yourself permission to just take a break and not have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Give yourself permission to just feel good for the next hour. So I said, I said that, I say that in most of my classes. And a student came up to me afterwards and she's, you know, she's a mom and in her forties and she was started crying. And she was like, I, 
I'm so embarrassed that I needed someone to tell me it was okay to give myself permission. She's like, but I, I really needed it. Like, I, I didn't realize that I, I don't give myself permission to relax. I don't give myself permission to not have to have all the answers or to fix everybody's problems or to take care of everybody else. Like I, I don't give myself active permission and I guess I needed to be invited to do that. And I just, that happened actually years ago and it, I have goosebumps even just remembering that, that conversation with her because I realized I'm, I'm the same, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, which is why I say it in my classes is it is okay to give your, you know, like we, it is okay to give yourself permission to relax and to be gentle with yourself. And to, like I said, not, not have to take on the weight of everybody's world or even your own world for a minute. Like it's okay to just stop and just mm -hmm. be, we are so used to doing, you know, like in order to be productive human beings and successful human beings, we need to do, 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 do. And Gosh, our yoga practice is this beautiful opportunity to just be, and it's the well, most freeing experience. Yeah. Well, I think we all teach what we need to learn. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that's what I, that's one of the things I really loved about teaching yoga is I would practice along with the people that I was with. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just the same reminder to yourself that you're offering to others. And, um, it's, you know, even if it's just certain moments in the day that you allow that, um, right. learning to, to do more of it is so it's a, just a beautiful experience. And so that's so mm -hmm. cool that she, um, you know, was able to share that with you because I think that yoga, um, does, it brings up a lot of emotions and, mm -hmm. uh, and that's so great because it's really important to feel what you feel. Right. I know we're like a nation of stuffer downers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, right. no, look, look where that's gotten all of us. You guys, like we have to stop. We have to stop stuffing it down. Like that's just, it's not physically, it is not healthy. Physically, it is not healthy emotionally. Like you got to move through, move through stuff. And yes, what's, what's great about yoga is it's a physical thing. And so we physically move through and that helps us release, but it's in all that physically moving through stuff that you do get to tap into some emotional stuff, which you can take as far as you want, but wow. It, the, like I said, the, the benefits are just so amazing. If you would have told, you know, 20 year old me starting yoga, <laughs> the amount of healing, emotional healing that I have experienced on my yoga mat. I think back in the day, I probably did cry on my mat, but it's just because my hamstrings were so tight that all the poses, <laughs> all the poses hurt so bad. But you know, if you would have told me 20 years ago that I would come to my mat and, and cry just tears of, of release and, and compassion and loving kindness towards myself, I would have been like, girl, you're crazy. Like that is some hippy dippy stuff. That is not me, but holy smokes it just you know it happens yoga just it takes root inside of you and it like I like I keep saying it's just it's so much more than the poses the poses draw you in the poses keep you coming back because it's something tangible but the intangible stuff that that you get to experience for yourself through yoga is you cannot you cannot put words to it you cannot put a price to it it's just I say all the time yoga is magic it just is 
Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing that's so cool is it's a safe place for that yeah. because the other people who are going in person or virtually are going back for that same thing. And yeah. so, um, it's, yeah, if you were to invite people to go to a, to an event where they could, right. you know, <laughs> they would not, they would decline. Right. But oh, yeah, here we are <laughs> day after day, know. you know, longing for yoga. So I, 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 I love it. Um, well, gosh, we talked about so many awesome things and I, yeah. I really, I'm so excited for people to go online now and to visit your website and, uh, you know, subscribe or, or, or find another way to participate in your programming. Um, yeah, absolutely. And Tamara, I'd like to, you know, any of your listeners, I, I would love to offer them a, the first month free of Shiny Happy Yoga if they want to come try it out for a month and, and see if it works for them or even if they just, you know, have questions or want to explore. The beginner series is in the, is in the studio. So, you know, I said it's something you can purchase separate. It is also in the studio um, for members. So, I will, um, I'll give you guys, I'll give you a code. I don't have it yet, but I'll give you a code so that your listeners can get the first month free of Shiny Happy Yoga just to see if it works for them. The other, I was going to say, you know, the other thing that I hear about yoga or why people don't do yoga is they say, oh, I tried it once and I hated it. Yeah, I hated it too. To be fair, that the instructor wasn't my style. You know what I mean? Like the music wasn't my style. It just wasn't, it just wasn't my style. And that's okay. There are a gajillion types of yoga. There's tons of different styles and you will find a style or an instructor that works for you. I, I used to want to be the instructor for everyone. I now know that that's silly and impossible, um, but I would love an opportunity to introduce people to a style of yoga that I think just helps you feel good. You know, I, I called it shiny, happy yoga because um, I realized that life isn't always shiny and happy. We all have hard days or months or, you know, years or, or moments in time, you know, life is not all sunshine and rainbows. And I totally, totally understand that. But I do firmly believe and I what I've learned on my yoga mat is there is always something to celebrate. There is always something in your day on or off your mat that you can choose happiness about. And like I said, that is something I learned on my yoga mat, that not every day is shiny and happy, but there are shiny, happy moments in every single day. And that's why I call it shiny, happy yoga. And that's the style of yoga that I invite people to share with me is just this coming to the mat to just feel good, to just feel good and to celebrate who you are today. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Well, I miss you in Chicago, but I'm so happy to find you online. And uh, I really appreciate your generosity. And um, I look forward to people getting to know you. So thank you for your time and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you will take Sarah up on her generous offer for a month of free yoga. You will find a link for her website as well as the access code in the podcast notes. Be sure to follow Shiny Happy Yoga on Facebook for more insights and inspiration. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone you love and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to all of our episodes. Feel free to leave a comment so we can learn more about you. We're building a community where we can all learn together. And finally, if you're looking for help implementing healthier habits or would like to learn about Juice Plus or the Tower Carton, 
please visit my website to schedule a health chat. I would be honored to help you any way that I can. Have a wonderful day. Be well.